Good morning. It is great to see you. It, it's quite full. It's very exciting, isn't it, to have a full building like this? I uh, want to say a special welcome to everybody who's here from the Far East. <laughs> and those of you here from the east of Swindon as well. We, there's many wise men from the east amongst us today. Oh, and I could go on with dad jokes all morning, but I'll be told off afterwards, so let's not bother. But it, genuinely, it's exciting to see the place full. It's great to be back together after all these months apart. We've heard lots of exciting things about what's been going on over at the east. And was there even painting at Dorkin School yesterday, do I understand? So, which is really exciting, just being able to bless the school over there and everything that's going on at Dorkin um, is great. But it's good to be back together and to see so many, even in the middle of the summer holidays, when on a sunny day, well done for coming. Um, so it's good to see you. If you don't know me, my name's Nigel. I'm one of the uh, elders, one of the leadership team um, of the church. And we are going to continue. We've been um, through the summer, we've been working our way through uh, Jesus's manifesto, if you like, in um, Luke. Is it Luke chapter? F- I, can't, I haven't got the chapter written down here. It's Luke chapter four, isn't it? <laughs> Good start. Um, Luke chapter four, where Jesus gets up in the temple and says, uh, the Holy Spirit is upon me to do these things. This is what I've come for. And we've been uh, on and off, not every week, but we've been working our way through the lines just to see what is it that Jesus uh, is here, um, come to the earth for, and what should we expect to see amongst us? So we're going to take another line from that today. We're going to look at the subject of healing. And really, but we're going to pray for one another in a bit. I think that God wants to meet with us this morning in all sorts of ways. Just believe that um, the Spirit is here and that God wants to put in us an expectation that, A, we need him, but B, that he wants to meet with us, that he wants to encounter us. And it's so easy, I think, in our culture, in our lives, in our day, to just get on with life on our own. We can manage quite well quite a lot of the time, can't we? And so we get to this kind of self-sufficient mode. But actually, uh, I was saying this uh, here last week, maybe in the East the week before, it just gets too confusing, doesn't it? But actually, God wants us in a place where we're dependent on him. That's what we're designed for. We're his children. We've been invited to be uh, children into the most amazing family in the cosmos. That is the family of God's people. We've been adopted into that family because of Jesus Christ. And we're not meant to do life on our own. And so e- we so easily get into that mode that, We can be self-sufficient. We've got everything organized. Uh, Our bank accounts are okay. Maybe they're not in your case, but for lots they are. And so we we manage in life and we go on. But that's not actually where God wants us, I don't believe. And I believe that there's much more that... It's great, the stories, to hear what God is doing. But I believe there's so much more that God wants to do in our lives. But But I think that will... We might start to see that as we understand our dependence on him as we live more dependent on him amen and i believe that's where god wants to take us in these days we're looking at the kingdom we're saying god we want your kingdom to come amongst us but actually the first thing i think he says to us is yeah but i want you to be dependent children 
Actually, I've won you out of dependency on the world. The heart of sin is independence. It's saying, God, I can manage life on my own. No, we can't. That's a lie of the enemy. And actually, God has beckoned us in. He's welcomed us in to say, no, you need me. And I think as we begin to understand how much we really need God and to depend on him and to come to him every day, as we said last week, Give us today my daily bread. He actually designed us to operate where we're dependent and we come to God every single day and say, God, what? give me the things that I need today. I can't survive another day without you. How? We don't really live like that a lot of the time, do we? When we don't pray, what's that effectively saying? It's effectively saying, God, I, actually, I can manage life without you. Thank you very much. But that's not how we were designed to be. And I believe that there's much more that we can see and that we will see as we recognize our place before God and live more and more dependent, minute by minute, day by day, on the power of God, on the Holy Spirit in us, and praying constantly, Lord, let your kingdom come amongst us. If I, I, feel, I feel weak bringing this today, this whole series really, because I know that there's so much more, I be, well, I believe there's so much more. As we look at the word of God and we see what God is like, and we see the things that, he, that Jesus does. And I believe there's a lot, a lot more for us. So I feel I'm coming in humility today to just say, let's take God at his word. Let's explore some more who God is, what he's like, what he might want to do amongst us. If we'll recognize that we're dependent children on him. Amen. So that's where we're going. That's really the summary, I suppose, in a way. We may, maybe we should just get on and pray. Um, oh, I haven't done the notices either, have I? It's all confused. It's the summer. Um, just before I forget, we will be meeting together like this again on the 3rd of September. Okay, Both sites together, 10.30, 3rd of September. Every other week is normal. That's probably the main thing you need to know this morning. There's a, um, the Swindon Half Marathon is over in the east. That's why we're not meeting in the east that day on the 3rd of September. I think some of the guys from the east are going to be serving drinks and stuff to the runners, which would be brilliant. But if you're not doing that, then come over here and we'll all meet together again at 10.30. And we're also going to be uh, giving thanks to God for, for new babies amongst us. So if you've had a new baby in the last year or so um, and you want to come and publicly give thanks, that will happen on the 3rd of September. Let us know that you want to be involved in that. Okay, and by the way, there's 60 plus lunch this week as well, even though it's the summer holidays. Yeah, do I get a cheer other than Barbara? Yeah, Tuesday at 12 o'clock. Um, I also wrote on my bit of paper, uh, Julian was asking about stories earlier. It, wouldn't it be great? I don't know if there's any stories from the guys who've come back from New Day a week ago that you all came back from New Day from the uh, youth camp with thousands of others from across the country and other countries. If there's any stories from New Day about what God did, be brave. Come and share it later on. That would be fantastic. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll get into Luke 4. Father, we just want to come before you as our creator God, the great I am, the one who rules over all things, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting Lord, we bow before you. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we declare that we, we can't do life on our own. Lord, we, we recognize that we were never meant to. 
And Lord, we come in humble adoration. We come knowing that we're dependent. We come knowing that we're children and that we need you every day of our lives, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would help me this morning. I pray that you would open our hearts. I pray that you would speak to us individually. I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us and spur us on to pursue you with greater passion, with greater measure, Lord, in our day. And we pray, most of all, we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come amongst us. Lord, we don't always know what we're even praying when we say that, but we know that you're good. We know that you love us. We know that in you, as we, for those who love you, you say, Lord, all things work together for good. And so, Lord, we run to that kind of a father. We say, Abba, Father, we, we cry with the Holy Spirit within us, God, Dad, we need you. Father, we reach out to you. Lord, help us to be dependent children who don't try to work life out and do it on our own, but Lord, live increasingly dependent on you, obedient to you, pursuing you, running after you, loving you, worshipping you. Lord Jesus, be lifted up in our midst, Father. Help us this morning, Lord. May we go out different from how we came in. And Lord, we pray that you would move amongst us by your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, we need your power and your presence in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this amazing gift of your Spirit, that we have the deposit, the Bible says, of the life that is to come. You've given us this incredible deposit, your presence, your power, your very being amongst us, Lord. And so we pray, move amongst us this morning. Touch us, Lord. Encounter us, we pray, for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're going to read from Luke 4. And we'll start at verse 14. I'm going to try and keep this very simple because I want us to have time to pray. That's probably the most important thing. There's so much that could be said on the subject of healing. um, And we don't have time to say it this morning. But I just want to say... Let's look at what the word of God says and let's um, base what we think on the word of God rather than our experience this morning. Amen. Can that be our starting place? Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Let's skip down, actually, um, Phil. Let's skip down to verse 38. This is a little bit further on in the same chapter. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. 
Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So Jesus gets up in the, in the synagogue. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And so he begins to declare the things that will happen now that he is in town. To proclaim good news to the poor. We heard a few weeks ago, didn't we, when Donna Kate told us the stories of uh, all that God is doing in Burundi. And really, we didn't, there wasn't much more to say in terms of that kind of exemplified, really, what Jesus is talking about. Good news to the poor. He has sent me. That's not to say that that's all that is, but what an, what an amazing stories of what God is doing. And now Mike giving us some more on that this morning, which is brilliant. And then he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I think that Nick spoke about that the last couple of weeks in the East and the West. And now we get to this verse, and recovery of sight for the blind. And what I want to talk about this morning is the subject of healing, which I realize is people will come with all sorts of ideas of what, about what they think, different experiences of God healing or God not healing, and all sorts of uh, sensitivities maybe, and so I want to go with care, but I want us to look at what the Word of God says as well. And so I really want to begin by doing a bit of a survey of the Bible very quickly to say, why is it that we believe that God heals? Of course, Jesus came declaring that uh, all sorts of things would happen now that he was around, that as his kingdom came in, we would see all sorts of signs and things happening, that people would be set free, that demons would go, that people would be healed, that the poor would be released, that God's favor and blessing would come, and that that was going to happen in all sorts of ways. And as Jesus uh, walked on this earth, everywhere he went, stuff happened, didn't it? People got healed. People were set free. Lives were turned around. But what I want to say is, going back through the whole Bible, what we see is that God is a God who heals. And actually, that must be our starting point as we look at this topic. So why is it that we believe that God heals? Well, the first thing is, the revelation of God throughout the whole Bible is that we have a God who heals. Sin and sickness entered the world through the fall, through man's rebellion, but God's character and desire and plan is to restore things. And throughout the Old Testament, we see a God who heals. So let me give you a couple of quotes. Exodus chapter 15, he says to the Israelites after he's rescued them from Egypt, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Raphi. 
I am the Lord who heals you. That's Exodus 15. And then all through the Old Testament, I'm just picking examples. For example, in Psalms, when David uh, is worshipping the Lord in Psalm 103, says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So even before we get to Jesus, even before we get to the cross, the, the picture of God that the Bible presents is one of a God who heals who brings restoration. That is what the Bible declares to us. So that's the first thing, the revelation of God throughout the Bible. The second thing is this, all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. So Jesus says, doesn't he, that he comes to destroy the works of the evil one. And actually what was accomplished on the cross was the destruction of uh, Satan's work in the world. And that by dying and rising again, Jesus then is given all authority in heaven and on earth. In every area of life, Jesus, after the cross, now has all authority. Even Isaiah saw that, didn't he, in his prophecy in Isaiah 53. Uh, Isaiah saw that, this when he, looking forward and seeing Jesus Christ on the cross. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And it's easy to kind of spiritualize that and say, of course, we're healed from sin. We're set free uh, to live a life free of the consequences of sin. But actually, it also says his by his wounds, we are healed. And Jesus refers back to that, actually, in his ministry on the earth in the context of physical healing. So I think we can be pretty confident that when Isaiah is talking about what Jesus accomplishes on the cross, that also uh, healing is part of that. And of course, Jesus says, doesn't he also in John 14, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So the very things that we've seen Jesus do, the miracles, the healings, the things that happened around Jesus as he was on this earth, he says, You're, those who believe in me, they're going to see the same things. So that's the second thing, what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. The third thing is this. We know that Jesus' kingdom is now coming. Amen? We've been talking about that a lot over the past few weeks. We believe that when Jesus died on the cross and was raised again, he inaugurated a new kingdom. Ultimately, the whole earth will come under the authority of Jesus in an obvious way. And there will be no more sin, and there will be no more sickness, and there will be no more crying and no more pain. That's the promise of the Bible, isn't it? That is what we have our faith in, in terms of being saved, that we have a future that is free of sickness and pain and death and sin and all of those things. Amen? Do we, do we believe that this morning? But right now, we live in this uh, time of, of two kingdoms. So we still have the uh, we live in this world, but Jesus' kingdom is breaking in. And increasingly, the Bible tells us, we're to, say, we're to pray, Jesus, let your kingdom come. So the, his kingdom has come, but it's not yet fully come. There will be a day in heaven where there's a new heavens and a new earth, and his kingdom will, will have fully come. But right now, we're in between, we're on the way, his kingdom has come, but not yet fully, but we're to expect, the Bible says, his kingdom to break in around us and through us. Amen? And so we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. And the Bible says um, that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and that forceful men and women lay hold of it 
grab it, pull it in, and say, God, I want to see more of your kingdom breaking in in my life. Amen? And so in the church of Jesus Christ, our expectation is to be that his kingdom is coming in increasing measure. Amen? The kingdom of Jesus is an increasing kingdom. It starts very small, the Bible tells us. It's the, it, there you go, it's on the poster at the back or at the side. It's the stone that became a mountain. So it started small, but it is going to fill the whole earth. And it's an increasing thing. So we're expecting the signs of the kingdom, the manifestation of Jesus' kingdom to increase as we go on. Amen? Are you expecting that? The Bible tells us we're to see more and more of the kingdom. It's increasing. It's like the, the, the river picture in Ezekiel, isn't it? That the river starts a small trickle, but gradually it rises until we're swimming. It's a picture of what God does by his spirit. And actually, so the kingdom of Jesus Christ is an increasing kingdom. And our job, in the words of the Lord's Prayer that we were looking at here last week, is to pray, Jesus, let your kingdom come increasingly. So the revelation of God throughout the Bible is that God is a healer. Jesus on the cross has overcome the works of the enemy. Jesus' kingdom has broken in and increasingly will break in, we expect. And then number four, the New Testament expects healing amongst the people of God. So Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about the gift of healing, doesn't he? That there'll be gifts of healing along with all sorts of other gifts which will be given to, the, to those who are gathered in the family of believers for one another's good, along with gifts of serving and leadership and tongues and wisdom and faith, there'll be gifts of healing. And all these things so that we can see the kingdom breaking in and God glorified in our midst. But also, we're instructed in the New Testament to pray for the sick and expect God to heal. Amen? So, let me read James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we're expected, we're instructed to pray for the sick and expect God to heal. So that is a, a whistle-stop summary, I realize. But you cannot read the Bible without co- being uh, convinced that God is a God who heals and who wants to heal. Amen? Whatever your experience, whatever your story in life, whatever has happened or not happened, what I want to say to us today is, can we come afresh to the word of God? And say, God, what kind of a God does, does your word reveal you to be? And I, there is, in my view, there is no other conclusion that you can come to as you read the word of God other than that God wants to heal and that that is part of his kingdom coming in. But actually through that, the whole of history, God is someone who wants to bless and to restore and to heal. Of course, in full, finally, in eternal life. But right now that he wants to break in and increasingly that we would see these signs of the kingdom amongst us. Amen? So, as I've looked at this topic, it's not something I've spoken of uh, publicly in this way before, but it's one of those topics, and I'm sure there are many things like this, where we come to the word of God and we can't help but be challenged by what we find there. 
Do you ever do that? Or has it all become familiar? It's like the subject of money. I can't, you can't help reading the New te- In my view, you can't help reading the New Testament on the subject of money and then not do something different with your finances at the end. You can't. If we're going to take the word of God seriously, then it challenges our ruts, doesn't it? It challenges the ways that we're set in. It challenges our way of thinking. But we've got to decide to allow it to do that. And I think healing is one of those areas because our experiences are maybe all over the place on this. And we're not sure what to expect. We're not sure what we've got faith for. But I want to take us back to the word of God and to say, actually, through the whole of Scripture, you cannot get away from God being a God who wants to heal. Amen. And that Jesus throughout the New Testament, Jesus throughout his time on earth, Whenever he preached the kingdom, it, always, it pretty much always goes together. Jesus preached the kingdom of God and healed the sick. They always go together. The kingdom of God and the healing of the sick. And so as we are looking at the kingdom and we're saying, God, we want your kingdom to break in amongst us in increasing measure. The cry of our heart, I believe, must be, and Lord, won't you, see, won't you heal increasingly as well? And... What I want us to do is to base our expectation and our belief on the word of God and not on our experience. Amen? And I believe that God wants us to do that in all sorts of areas of life. That these are days for taking him seriously, for taking him at his word. If we really want to be people, and this is what we've been talking about over the previous weeks, isn't it? That we want to be people who see God's kingdom come in greater measure. Then we've also, I think sometimes we can think that that's just a nice to have. But actually, that comes with getting to know God better, doesn't it? That comes with being soaked in his spirit. That comes with digging into his word and taking him at his word. And the cha- I found the challenge to me as I've been reading this and researching this and praying this week, is it's God saying to me, well, but look at my word. Are you going to take me seriously? Are you going to believe what I say? Are you going to take me as the kind of God that I reveal myself to be in my word? I think that applies to healing. I think that applies to all sorts of other areas as well. And this is one for us to wrestle, I believe, in our own lives. To say, God, are we going to take you at your word? Are we going to base what we pray for and what we expect to see and what we start to have faith for on what God presents to us in his word, what he reveals to us about who he is, or on what we think or what society around us thinks or what our experience tells us amen and we've got a choice to make in those i believe so where i'm at where i want to uh what i want to put to you this morning really is to say can we pursue god in this area can we say to god lord we believe that you've revealed that you are a god who wants to heal And though maybe we do see some of that, but I believe that he wants us to do a whole lot more amongst us as we take him at his word. Amen? I want us to pray, so I'm not going to take much longer. But let me just, five quick things, and they are quick, I promise. Um, from that second bit of scripture where Jesus comes to um, 
Peter's mother-in-law and heals her. Just five quick things from that that I think are our next steps in pursuing God for healing. And the first one is this. They're very simple. I believe that we need to know God more. We need to know more the God of the Bible. Amen? We need to dig into the God of the Bible. We need to say, God, who are you? We need to pursue God. I believe that he wants to be known by us. We're his children. He's our father. But it's up to us, in a way, how much we want to pursue God, isn't it? And this is where it comes back to this being dependent or independent of God. And I think we have a big choice in our day as to whether we want to be dependent or independent of God. Because we can get by in life being independent of God. We can have our, we can have our confidence in salvation, but then get on with life. It's so easy to do that, isn't it? But I believe what God is putting before us in these days as he speaks to us about the kingdom is to say, how much of me do you want? How much of me do you want to know? How much of the God that is revealed in the Bible do you want to pursue? Do you want to know in your life? And so I believe the first thing, you see, in that passage, Jesus went out to a solitary place, didn't he, at daybreak. That's the picture that we get of Jesus. He's healing, but he's pursuing his father. He was the son of God, but he knew that he needed to pursue his father. He needed to be alone with him. He needed to be filled with the spirit. And if it was true of Jesus, it's true of, for us also, isn't it? And this is a challenge to me. This is a challenge to us this morning is to say, how much do you want to know God? How much do you want to know of God? How much of God's power and presence do you want to see in your life? And that's the, these, are, these are challenging questions to us in our culture and our day, I believe. And they're things that we need to wrestle with. So know God more. That's the first thing. Be filled with the Spirit. You see, before Jesus stood up in the synagogue and said, uh, these are the things that I've come to do, the scripture says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So even Jesus, the Son of God, needed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do the things that God had sent him to do. And so how much more us do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So let's pray for one another again this morning. Let's continually pray for one another. Let's seek God to be flooded with his Holy Spirit because we can do nothing without the Spirit. Amen? So we must be those who daily are pursuing God to be filled with his Spirit, his presence. If Jesus couldn't operate without the Spirit, then boy, can we not operate without the Holy Spirit. I spoke about the, the, the river in Ezekiel, that picture. And I think we're at that point, aren't we? we with a, with, often with the Spirit, we're, we're dipping our toes in. Maybe the water's up to our ankles. We're splashing around a little bit. We know something of the Holy Spirit. But the picture that the Bible gives us is of the Spirit increasingly coming up, the, le- the water level rising. That's what, the, that's what I believe God wants to do by His Spirit. Throughout history, as we, as we get towards the fulfillment of history, but also in our own lives, that he wants the water level to rise. But again, it's, it, the question is, how much do we want of the Spirit in our lives? How much do we want the water level to rise? How much do we want to be those who operate in the power of the Spirit? These are big questions for us in our culture and our day, I believe. So that's the second thing. Be filled with the Spirit. 
Number three, don't rely on some formula for praying for people. Isn't it fascinating that in this passage, you see, uh, it says that Jesus bent over Simon's mother-in-law and rebuked the fever. And then a bit later, it says that he laid his hands on each one who was sick. Interestingly, if you read Mark's account or or, um, Matthew's account, they're all slightly different. What Jesus does in the situation with Simon's mother-in-law is different in each account. There were different aspects that they highlighted. So there's clearly no formula. So we don't come with some clever formula. We come with with a belief in who God is, ultimately. It's not about a technique. It's not about, oh, we've been told to pray for the sick, and so we're going to do it, or we've got to use this particular terminology, or we've got to do it like this. But no, it's coming with a belief in who God is and what he's like and how much he loves us and that the Bible has revealed to us that he's a God who heals, fundamentally. It's simple, isn't it, at that level? Number four, ask God for more love and compassion for one another, for people. See, Simon's mother-in-law, it says, was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. It's very simple. It's relational, isn't it? They want... She needed help, and so Jesus came and helped. It's at a relational people level. And I think there's a question for us sometimes of how much do we want to see this? How much good do we want for one another and other people that, are, that, we've, that we find who are unwell or sick or have something wrong? And I, I, I have a very small little story. I... As I say, I do not pretend to be an expert in these things, but my wife, who sits here, um, has had a... Who's sitting here, sorry. Um, She had a a cyst in a... Where your wisdom tooth was taken out, wasn't it? That has been such a pain over a long period of time, and and it keeps coming back, and the infection keeps coming back, and she has lots of pain with it, and eventually they had to go and have an operation, and, and they tried to dig it all out, and it's... And it seemed to be okay, but then a few days later, the infection came back yet again, or it seemed to be. And it just had been on and on and on. And I just got to the point where I'm like, God, we've had enough of this. We want rid of this. This is, uh, it's horrible. It's painful. It keeps coming back. It's hampering Helen. And I, do you know what? I've prayed in a way that I, I wouldn't normally pray. And it's because of, it's because of what I felt. It's because of that kind of desire, that passion, that compassion, if you like, that I wanted God to do something. And I, this, I'm just telling you my experience. I'm not saying that you haven't done that or, that that or what's happened in different situations. But I know what I decided on that day when the infection came back after the operation was that I said to myself, I am going to pray every day for this to go because I've had enough. I don't want this anymore. And it was a, it was a passionate thing that rose up within me. Now, it's not come back yet, has it? I'm not saying it's just down to my prayers. I don't know. God is big, but I decided I'm going to pray every day for this thing because I've had enough of it. And there's something sometimes that has to rise up within us, I think, maybe. I don't know. And we say, God, we know that you can heal. You are able. I believe that you love us with your children. And now, Lord, won't you intervene in this? And my fifth point also is illustrated by this, which is perseverance. Actually, that's not in the Simon's mother-in-law story. But I believe sometimes we've just got to come back again and again and again and again. You see, I decided I was going to pray every day until it went. 
And again, I'm not, there's no magic formula. We're led by the Spirit. I've, absolutely, there isn't a formula. I'm just telling you what I've learned in the last couple of weeks. And I think we need to persevere in these things because I believe that we have a God who actually wants to heal. Amen? I, do you know what? As I speak about this subject up here, I feel like I'm a little baby taking little tiny baby steps. I think it's an area that, particularly in the Western church, we are way back on this. But the Bible tells us about a God who heals. That is my fundamental foundation that I want us to stand on this morning. And as we say, let your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, what we go back to is the word of God that constantly when Jesus preached the kingdom, he healed the sick. And so I want us to pursue this personally. I want to pursue this. I want to believe God. It's a big thing, but I think in a lot of areas... As I say, in these days, we've got to say, God, am I going to believe you? God, am I going to go after for what I see in your word? And am I going to keep persevering? Am I going to let the spirit work in me that something rises up so that I will go after you until I see stuff happen? Amen? Who's, is anybody up for coming on that journey? It's, it is healing, but also I think it's other things. God wants to break in amongst us. God wants to be more evident amongst his people. Who believes God wants to be more evident amongst his people than he is right now? Isn't that true? In all sorts of areas. That's the kind of God the Bible reveals, isn't it? But I, and it's not enough to say, well, yeah, but that doesn't happen now for whatever reason. It's easy to explain stuff away, isn't it? It's easy because we're in this time in between kingdoms to say, oh, well, there's reasons why this doesn't happen there may be reasons in different situations, absolutely. But God is a God who heals. God is a God who loves to restore. God is a God who has initiated a new kingdom and it is spreading and it is breaking out and it comes through the church. And I believe there's much, much more for us to see in our day. Amen. But we've got to go after God. We've got to take him at his word. We've got to pray to be filled with the spirit. We've got to seek him and depend on him day by day. And there's going to be a big choice as to whether we want to do that. And I think so often we forget in the Christian life, we, there's a lot of choice, isn't there, about how much we go after God. It's easy to take the ticket and say, well, I'm saved. Jesus has won salvation for me. I have a hope. I have a future. I'm okay. I believe there's a whole lot more than that. There's a whole lot more that I believe he wants us to press into in these days. That's why he's stirring us about the kingdom. That's why he's talking to us about that. Saying, "But, but the challenge is there. Will you pursue me? Will you be filled with my spirit? Will you persevere in prayer? Will you let compassion and passion rise up in you? That says, no, we want to see change. We want to see your kingdom break in. We want to see healing. We want to see people restored in all sorts of areas of life. And we're not going to accept what our culture tells us about the way that things are. Amen? Let's leave it there. Would you stand with me? Can the band come back? I think I'd like us to start by worshipping God. Because I think the kingdom of God coming amongst us starts when we begin to realize who God is and what he's like, which is why worship is so key.
But the other thing I think I'd love us to do is, I'd, and we'll be at all different places in this, but I'd love personally, what I want to say to God is, Lord, I want to repent of, of the things that I've not taken you at your word for. That actually there's things in the, in the word of God, there's things that we know about God, and we don't always take him at his word. We don't always come as dependent children. We think it's easier often to live lives that are self-contained, that are independent, where we're sufficient for what goes on in our own lives. And, we, and that's comfortable. But I believe, I believe that Jesus is presenting to us a kingdom that is a lot more challenging than that. There's a lot more to see but it requires us to make choices about how we're going to be with God. And I'd love us to come just and wherever you're at right now with this, just to repent of where you're independent of God, of where you don't take God at his word, where you know that he's revealed to be a certain way, but that's not the way that you live in life. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So can we just have, let's have a few minutes just of silence where we get before God and we repent of independence of God. We repent of not taking God at his word. Whatever that looks like for you, I don't want to put anything heavy on anybody, but let's come with honesty before God. Father, we want to just come and say, Lord, we're sorry where we have been independent of you. Lord, where we've lived our lives according to our own little gospel, where we've not taken you at your word. Lord, where we've been prompted by the Spirit and we've gone a different way because it was easier. And Lord, we just pray that you would come in your mercy today. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us. We pray that you would cleanse us. We pray that you would restore us. Lord, and even as we're doing that, Lord, this morning we say, would you kindle in us new faith? Lord, even as you turn over the... Lord, I pray that you would turn over the soil of our lives this morning. By your spirit. So it's got this picture of newly tilled soil. As we come to God, as we repent, as we come back to his word, as we examine our own desires for God and his kingdom, and we look at them with honesty. Lord, we pray that you'd now plant new seeds of faith in that soil, the soil of our hearts. Lord, new seeds of expectation. New seeds of believing you. Of taking you at your word. Lord, new seeds of desire to pursue you. To go after you until we see stuff change. Until we see stuff happen. Until we see your kingdom break in. Lord, we repent of fitting in with the culture around us. 
Lord, when we knew all along that we were called to be different. Lord, we say that with our mouths. But Lord, so often our lives look exactly the same as everybody else. And Lord, we repent. Lord, we say have mercy on us. Forgive us, Lord. Help us by your spirit. Come again to us by your spirit, Lord, I pray. Stir up our hearts. Put fresh zeal and passion in us, Lord, I pray, to pursue you, to dig into your word. Just pray that you pour out your spirit on us right now, Lord, that you would meet us where we are, each one of us, Lord. Come and speak to us. Come and soak us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit individually. Say, fix our eyes on Jesus and just ask the Father, our loving Heavenly Father, to pour out his spirit into our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. We welcome you. We pray, flood each person. Anoint us, Lord. Let your spirit rest on us. Let let him go deep into our lives this morning, Lord. Come, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Stir us, Lord.